verse 15. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. A close relationship with God confers on the believer a confidence that can't be shaken by anything. That state of mind is peace. Rule in the Greek, where you see it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That word rule in the Greek, braborio, I have no clue how to pronounce it, used it for those responsible for maintaining order in their games, the umpires, the referees. This is on your listening guide. Paul is saying, allow the peace of God to rule, to be the umpire of your interactions with others, with your interaction with others, to dictate what is acceptable and unacceptable behavior. Conflict is not a sin. The sin happens with how you deal with the conflict. Peace is a rest and assurance and trust of God. Believe that he loves you and is working for your good in your life. I'm going to read to you from Isaiah chapter 12, verse 6. Seeing people of Zion, celebrate the greatness of the Holy Lord of Israel. God is here to help you. He is for you. For you. God chose you. Now choose peace. You have to want it and you have to choose it. It's there. You simply need to allow it to work in your heart. How? You're going, how do I do that? Romans 15 verse 13 May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to fill you with his joy and his peace. Is there any room? Or is it so full of other stuff? Because women come to me and they'll say, Tracy, I'm spiritually empty and I believe you, but you're filling yourself with something. Are you filling yourself with Facebook, Netflix, alcohol, food, shopping, name it. It doesn't have to be a sin, but whatever you're filling with is what you're spilling with. And those that get the biggest splashes are about this tall. It's the people in your home. So fill with him so that you spill with him. Spill with him. A study was done, a massive study, those in my class have heard this statistic, of uh, children who were in the 3rd to 12th grade, 3rd to 12th graders, and they asked them, what do you want most from your mom? What was the expectation? Time. They, they expected that would be the number one response. That was number two. The number one response was, I want my mom to be less stressed. You want to be less stressed? Your children want that too. Your children want that too. Verse 15 says, The peace seems to speak of the results of following the directives to love and to forgive. And then be thankful. Throughout Scripture, we are reminded to be thankful. We have so much to be thankful for. If nothing else, remember that opening? He nailed our sins to the cross. If we would just take a moment and realize what that is, we are so thankful, so thankful. But we keep focusing on our stuff, on our stuff. Verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Dwell, the definition of dwell is to live in, to stay, to stay. Not just on Sunday morning, I'll dwell on Sunday morning at church. Not just on Tuesday morning, I'll dwell on Tuesday morning at PWOC. This is um, on your listening guide. Many have the word, 
but it dwells in them poorly. And by that I mean it has no power over them. It has no power over them. Because how are we ever going to be patient, kind, compassionate if we don't have the Word dwelling in us? We must allow work, uh, the Word, Christ's presence, to dwell in us and learn His instruction so the peace of Christ will rule in our hearts and minds and translate into our actions. It's all about our spiritual growth impacting us so it impacts others positively out of love. A huge study was done. It was called the Reveal Study, and they found that the number one way to achieve spiritual growth was by reading your Bible. Number two was way, be, way um, lower than that. The number one way to achieve spiritual growth is to read your Bible, to read your Bible. If you're too busy to pray, I have some ladies who are going to hand out scripture cards. If you're too busy to pray and read scripture, then you're busier than God ever intended. If you don't have time, you are not walking in the will he has for your life. Now there are, like, infants, that's a tough season. That's a tough season. I have a, a friend, she's got a couple of little, little, I'm talking little, little ones. So she has scripture in her laundry room because she's like, that's really where I live in the house right now. And so she'll just put, touch her hand to a scripture, you know. But she, she touches, um, she's touching scripture. But the thing is, you got to be careful because I can remember thinking things like, I, it'll be so awesome when my daughters go to school. I'll have all this time and God and I are just going to spend the day together. Well, they went to school and I was still busy. I was still busy. We have to choose him. We have to choose to spend time with him. Psalm 111 verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who do his work have a good understanding. Fear means reverence and faith. The kind of reverence and faith that leads a person to try and determine God's will before taking action. I don't know about you, but I tend to be, okay, God, just bless it. Don't mess with it. Just bless it. I got the plan all figured out. I need to check in before, before, and talk to him before. And then here's this word in that um, verse I read, admonish. Admonish. The definition of admonish, to warn, to reprimand, to advise, to urge. We need to invite accountability into our lives. I think of it like, do you remember that childhood book, The Emperor's Clothes? And he was walking around naked and nobody would tell him. Well, I need women who are going to say, Tracy, you're naked. You're naked. But the thing is, the emperor wasn't approachable. He only allowed people who would tell him what he wanted to hear. Is that the way you're living life? Only allowing women that will tell you what you want to hear to come close? Are you approachable? Are you teachable? Sometimes it requires giving women permission, literally saying, I'm giving you permission. Please speak truth to me. It's scary. It's scary. But because it, it sometimes feels like rejection, disapproval, even mean-spirited, and it can hurt. It can hurt. But these women that I've invited to speak the hard things into my life, love me too much to leave me where I am. They desire the best of me. My friend Muriel is one of my accountability partners. It's so fun when we get together because um, I get to hear that French accent. That's so cool. And um, it is. It's so awesome. In fact, we're going out after this, so I'm, I'm preparing myself because she's going to hold me accountable. About a year ago, we were sitting in a hotel room. I was sharing some things I was you know, struggling with, and I was tearing, telling her what the answer was. And you know what she did? She didn't say, well, Tracy, here's what I feel. 
Or Tracy, here's what I think. She opened her Bible and said, Tracy, here's the truth. You're wrong. You're wrong. But that's that iron sharpening iron. She left, loved me too much to leave me where I was, to let me believe the lies of Satan, to believe the lies of Satan. Other women have given me permission to speak hard things to them, and I'm a pretty direct person. Remember that compassion thing's not very high? But Galatians 6.1 reminds me, sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, gently. Then I'm to approach them with gentleness and maybe a little kindness and humility and patience and love. So I try to give them a heads up and say, you know what, hey, friend, I got a little something tough I got to talk to you about. I always make sure to cover it, to saturate it, to drown it in prayer. Drown it in prayer, praying first that what I'm going to say is truth, that it's not just what I think and believe that it's truth, that it aligns with Scripture, and second, that God gives me the best words to use when I'm saying it. And last, that he prepares my friend's heart to hear what I have to say and that they hear it through the lens of how much I love them. But I can't forget the second part of Galatians 6.1. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. I, do, I pray that I don't become arrogant looking for the sliver in her eye and miss the log in my own. So let me ask you, do you have any women who will speak truth to you that you've invited to give you per, um, to hold you accountable? And I encourage this because Proverbs 12, 15 says, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Listen to others. I'm just going to give you a few minutes, um, very short minutes. Do you have an accountability partner? Here's the thing is, when you, like Muriel and I, we don't hang out together. We live pretty far apart. We get together maybe once every two to three months. Um, but so it's not, you know, personally, I don't think your husband can be your accountability partner all the time. It's not fair to him to always have to be the one to speak the hard to you. And I have accountability partners for different areas of my life, but it's not necessarily my closest girlfriends, but there's nothing like the closeness of an accountability partner. So real quickly, do you have an accountability partner? Mm -hmm.